This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. It's McMaster here along with our MLB.com Mets reporter, Anthony DeComo. And, Anthony, we're going to start with sort of some breaking news here, but not really a surprise as far as that news goes, and that is Stephen Mass is, in fact, done for the year. They've decided to go in, do the surgery, take care of the spur in the elbow, the bone spur in the elbow. Um, it was starting to feel like this was going to happen and we weren't going to see him again, but now the Mets know, I guess, and they can go forward with their plan for the next week and hopefully the postseason knowing that Stephen Matz is not an option. Yeah, th- this surgery was inevitable. The Mets said it way back in, uh, I want to say, June, that he was going to have his bone spur removed from his elbow. So it wasn't a secret. The only thing that's changed is that uh, we're here now in late September, the final days of September, and, and Matz was still dealing with that impingement in his left shoulder, uh, did not look like he was going to get back on a mound anytime soon. So there was really no reason for the Mets to continue to hold out hope and continue to have him try and pitch and you know possibly make the whole situation worse. They decided just to shut him down. He will get the bone spur removed. He will get plenty of rest over the winter, which will help the shoulder out as well. And given all that, given these extra few weeks now that he will have, uh, there's certainly optimism that Stephen Matz will be ready to go and back at full strength by spring training. Um, certainly a tough season for Steven Matz. He started out so great, 7-1, and one, won that seven starts in a row after the bad one his first time out, and really looked like he was going to be right there with Corey Seegers of the world for National League Rookie of the Year. It just didn't happen. Um, struggled to pitch through the discomfort in his elbow. And, and let's all remember, uh, you know, he gets lumped together with Noah Syndergaard sometimes, because Syndergaard also has a bone spur in his elbow, but Matzis was much, much bigger, uh, was brushing up against more inflammation on, on a daily, weekly basis. And uh, only he knows how much pain he was really pitching through, but it, it clearly was something that affected him. And uh, this was a surgery, again, that was inevitable that he needed to get done. The Mets have decided that now is the time, and they will be without him if they advance to postseason play. So now we sit here in the last week of the season, no Matz, no DeGrom, no Harvey, no Wheeler. It's, but but they still get lifts from other guys. That said, none of that mattered on Monday night where things kind of just went in a different direction for the Mets. Because of the scheduling, they were in Miami. They happened to be in Miami for the first Marlins game after the tragic death of Jose Fernandez on Sunday in a boat accident. And you were down there uh, last night, Anthony. Emotional pregame ceremony with the Marlins. And I think the Mets, really made it more special for the Marlins by going out on the field, sharing in it, hugging them. And, and it, I think that set the tone for the game. And I think for a little while, even though the Mets are in the middle of a pennant race, nobody was really thinking that much about that. Well, they're human beings, Tim. And anyone who saw that ceremony who happened to be here in, in Miami or watched it on television, 
um, could see just how, how raw and how open that wound was. And the Mets obviously had a front row seat for that. They saw everything the Marlins were going through. They, they were out there on the field, like you said, shaking hands, hugging the Marlins. And these guys, these are guys by and large that the Mets know, uh, aside from seeing them 19 times a year in spring training, uh, you know, a lot of them will spend time together in the off season. They might live in similar areas. They might train in similar areas. There are a lot of personal connections here that I think people forget sometimes. And, and even if there weren't, uh, obviously this is a situation that transcends baseball and the Mets realized that um, it, it was an extraordinarily difficult thing for either team to go out there and play a baseball game after that. Um, you know, I, I, I wish I could put into words what the atmosphere was like here. Uh, it, it, it wasn't a it wasn't a baseball stadium. It wasn't a baseball game. It was a wake. It was a funeral. It was, uh, you know, what you'd expect from that type of thing. And, and then to go out and have to not just play a game, but in the Mets' case, play a game in the midst of a pennant race, a game they really, you know, wanted to have. Um, it was tough. It was difficult. And you know, they tried to turn the page as best they could. They're, they're still in the process of doing that. Um, you know, these games in Miami this week will all be tough. And they continue to try and turn the page uh, because that's really all they can do. And I thought one of the best things anyone said was it was Terry Collins saying, look, uh, you know, Jose Fernandez loved this game. He loved the game of baseball. Um, he played it with a passion and a joy that very few others do. And the best way we can honor him is to do the same, to go out there and play the, the game of baseball the right way, the best way we know how. And certainly that's what the Mets are trying to do this week. Yeah, and it was it was powerful, and, and it seemed the moment that D. Gordon hit that leadoff home run, it just kind of there was a there was a special energy on the Marlins side that they were able to kind of carry through the game and and get the victory. But uh, I wonder how how they'll be able to bounce back even the next day. It's certainly going to be a tough week for that Marlins team. Um, as far as the Mets go, there is a pennant race here going, and they start still are in the driver's seat for that first wild card spot. Um, despite all these injuries and everything that's going on. Uh, and to go back to Sunday, Anthony, they win 17 to nothing, and obviously the offense gets the headlines. But maybe the bigger story in that one was Robert Gesellman, seven scoreless innings, three hits, as these other pitchers that nobody had heard of until this season continue to step up for this team. Yeah, they wouldn't be in this spot right now. And you say it's a pennant race. It's a real good pennant race. Uh, because we stand here as we're recording this podcast with five games left in the season, and it's entirely plausible that the Mets could host the NL wild card at City Field, and it's entirely plausible they could miss the postseason altogether. So it's that tight game and a half separating three teams, and, and you nailed it with, with whether it's Robert Gesellman or Seth Lugo or even some of the less heralded guys. Uh, Gabriel Noah has given them some better innings of late. Rafael Montero. Uh, well, he struggled in a couple of spot starts, uh, kept them in games. And, you know, that's been so critical to the Mets. And I, I think what Gesellman's last outing really did was it gave them confidence going forward into the postseason that he can be not just an option, but a viable option. We, we talked earlier in this podcast about how the Mets are without Matt Harvey and Jacob DeGrom, Stephen Matt. So Robert Gesellman's going to need to start a playoff game if the Mets make it. Seth Lugo is going to need to start a playoff game if the Mets make it. And beyond that, uh, you know, you're looking at a rotation now that Bartolo Colon and Noah Syndergaard are lined up to pitch games 161 and 162 for the Mets. Now, that could change if they clinch early, but there's a very good chance that the Mets are going to need to use those guys, in which case 
a Robert Kesselman might very well be the guy standing out there on the mound for the National League wild card game. Certainly yeah, he, not how the Mets drew it up in April, but but when you look at what he's done lately, uh, I think the Mets are growing more and more comfortable with that with that prospect. Robert Gesellman staring down and then Madison Bumgarner, possibly, who knows, <laughs> on, on the mound for the other team, and he's been in one of those before. Uh, good news for the Mets, as you mentioned, Syndergaard, and he had the strep throat over the weekend, was scratched, and, and Saturday's game became kind of a disaster, although it was kind of cool to see the, the bench players come in and really – make a game of it late, but the Mets five games left and Noah Syndergaard's going to, he's going to pitch two of them, right? I mean, that's the way they draw it up. He pitches Tuesday and then because of the off day Thursday, he'll come back Sunday and pitch game 162. That's a nice thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, what happened with the strep throat is, is Noah Syndergaard wound up getting pushed back three days. And uh, while that doesn't cost him a regular season start because he's making two down the stretch and he would have made two down the stretch, before this happened, what it does do is, is unlike before, where he could have pitched two regular season games and then gone on to start the wild card game on regular rest. Uh, it's an either or proposition now. Either he pitches game 162 or he starts the wild card game for the Mets. Now, obviously, they would prefer the latter scenario because that means they have clinched early and they can set their pitching up how they like. Uh, but look, it's about getting there first. And the Mets uh, fully know Noah Syndergaard is their best option in any given game here down the stretch and in October. So if they need to win a game, it's going to be him on the mound. One more injury note before I let you go, Anthony. Uh, Wilmer Flores, are we going to see him again this season, or is he definitely done for the year? No, he's done for the regular season okay. for certain. Um, you know, he, he tried to swing a bat early this week, and it didn't go very well. He's still feeling a lot of pain in that wrist. And this all stems back from September 10th, that home plate collision in Atlanta, with A.J. Przezinski, uh, so he's not doing very well. Now, the Mets are still holding out some hope that if they make it deep into October, maybe an NLCS or even a World Series, uh, that he could potentially be a bat for, for them against left-handed pitching. But that's a long ways off. Uh, they're looking very short-term right now, and uh, as far as the rest of the regular season goes, wild card and even into an NLDS situation, it doesn't sound like Wilmer Flores is really going to be an option for them at all. All right, this is MLB.com Extras. It's going to be an exciting last five games of the season for these New York Mets. For Anthony DeComo, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.